right, my friends. Well, welcome back to Trekology. Here we are yet again. Season three, my friends. Season three. We are back Woo. and in action. If you have missed us, it has been quite it's been it's been a while. It's been a little while. If you're new to our podcast, it has been a while. My name is Jeff. I am one of your hosts, and with me always is my buddy Greg. Hey Greg. Hey Jeff. So speaking of winter break, which we took an extended winter break from our podcast, but what uh, what you you seem to have a busy not just winter break but the month leading up. So Oof. how was uh, how were these last two weeks for you? So my my daughter, her birthday was uh, January first. Right. We did a really big, overly large party <laughs> for her, <laughs> which you came to. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so tradition among my wife's family to have a really big first birthday party so that was that was quite the event and that took a lot of preparation and cleaning up and building things in the backyard and it was it was a thing but it's all done now so yeah um but yeah i mean it's it has been a it's been a busy time it's been a busy time how about for you fascinating fascinating well you and I, it, it, it does fascinate me is that you and I live such different lives. Whereas for me, like the last two weeks, one, especially because of the way Christmas fell this year, following right at the beginning of the school break, because uh, it was, what was it? Christmas was on a Monday. So that weekend was pretty crazy because the kids didn't have school on Friday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, you know, Sunday was Christmas Eve and then Monday. So it kind of felt like Mm -hmm. a four day weekend, four day Christmas weekend. So that was go, go, go and doing all, all kinds of stuff. But then at least in my family, Christmas pretty much ends at like 1130 on Christmas day. And then there's just Mm. nothing for the entire rest of the week, even. Uh, and that was kind wow. of our experience is that we had, I mean, uh, yeah, we had looking forward to obviously your guys's party coming up on the first, uh, but, and we, you know, I, I guess my wife showed up to help you, uh, set up tables or something like that. But outside of that, mm-hmm. just like there was just nothing going on for like a week. And then a week after that, cause then new year's was on a Monday. Then we had a whole nother week of just kind of like nothing my my job is connected to the school system so i had no work to do and um i was trying to like uber drive but there was not a whole lot of uber driving at two o'clock in the afternoon on a wednesday so um (laughs) yeah there was like a lot of free time i mean in the time that i've been away from the podcast i started another podcast just to to scratch my own uh podcasting itch so um yeah, it's uh, it's uh, interesting how how you and I experience uh, this season, I suppose. So. I should have used your help more often. Should have uh, asked you to come it's over true. more. It's, and the irony <laughs> is, uh, in all of that time, my motorcycle continues to sit on your driveway um uncompleted and so i don't know how in all of that time i did well i do know how but uh uh it is sad in hindsight that i wasn't able to carve out the time to finally finish that one uh in addition (laughs) to the work on my cars which is always pending but never terribly uh exciting i suppose and it was raining i'm not going to work out in the rain I don't know if that makes me <laughs> persnickety or, or whatever, but 
<laughs> I, you know, that is something that I have taken up in the last couple of months working is in the rain? running. No, uh, you said working out. Oh, okay. Didn't you? Uh, working out in the rain, but working out can work that. Okay. Bike riding? Because that's usually your workout. No, you know, I, I, I used to run pretty okay. often and now I'm getting back into it. Okay. And it has been wonderful. I really? forgot how good it is for my, my mental health. Huh. So. There you go. I yeah. always think of that line from uh, Back to the Future 3 when Doc is explaining to the Cowboys what's going to happen in the future. And he says, they'll run, of course, but for entertainment. And the one cowboy goes, run for fun? What the heck kind of fun is that? <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. Yep. But I get it. Different strokes for different <laughs> folks, I suppose. Uh, so along those lines, before we go too far into the Jeff and Greg story, what about uh, what about Star Trek? Any Star Trek stories from the last several months that we've been gone? Um, I watched, I think, all of the Next Generation movies okay. during the time off, which was which was nice. Okay, including um, Generations. Including Generations. Okay. I, I, I classify that with the next generation movies. Oh, you movies. should. Yeah, because it's a next generation. I mean, it starts the, the like cold open or whatever. You don't really cold open in a movie. But the open is yeah. original series, so to speak, with just the three characters. Uh, and then uh, it yeah definitely shifts to... Uh, it takes place the in tone, the next generation too. world. Yeah, yeah it does. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And the tone feels much more like oh, next yeah. generation oh, than than yeah. well, original and, series yeah and not only that like and that was my my beef with generations i think is that it was supposed to be like a passing of the torch but i felt like the torch had already been passed and that kirk kirk was somewhat unnecessary to they could have just made that a it wouldn't have been a great next gen movie but kirk didn't really add anything if you ask me you know i i think there's Definitely an argument for that. I mean, I I enjoyed the movie. I remember seeing it in the theaters. Yeah, and um, how cool that was. Oh yeah, to see both of the captains in one movie. Um, I I, I uh, looking back on it and having seen it just recently, it's not required. It's uh, not a it's not a necessary movie. Yep. Yep. For Star Trek. Yep. For the franchise. Yeah. I felt like the stakes but, were relatively low. Uh, yeah, they they really are. Yeah, they really are. It's not like universe ending here. Right, right. It's they just were saving some random know. planet, which is good. But yes, yeah. Malcolm McDowell was somewhat wasted. I feel like his whole plot with Jordy trying to brainwash Jordy or whatever was kind of convoluted mm-hmm. and unnecessary. I don't know. And then it was just kind of like we need to make him meaner, so let's just have him like torture Jordy. I don't know. And then they did. They pointed out in hindsight that the whole Data's emotion chip was funny, was hilarious. Oh, that was such a great comic device, but it kind of spoiled the character. We'd had seven years of development that they kind of were like, oh, let's just give him a chip. And then they very yeah. quickly abandoned it for the next movies. And there was even a line apparently in Insurrection where they're like, oh, right. uh, Data left it on the Enterprise. What? Yep. He can take it out, and he's just like, nah, I'm going to turn it off. Yeah, that was silly. Although it does kind of feel, arguably, like a Data thing to do. Well, but the whole point was in the movie is that he couldn't take it out. That's why it was malfunctioning. Right. And then they're just like, oh, we solved that. Like, that was the part that was like, (laughs) that's a cop-out. 
Yeah, I get it. Okay. Yep. Okay. How about you? Uh, I watched some of Lower Decks, so I think I finished season one. To be honest, kind of the same thing, where I'm just kind of like, mm. nah, I can take it or leave it. Like, none of the characters. Okay. I guess Boimler is kind of growing on me, but as we talked about with Mariner, I can't stand Mariner. I actually actively don't want to see her anymore. And that's a challenge because she's pretty much the that's main character. Crazy. Well, again, you showed me the why, first why episode you... that showed me her murdering the entire crew. And I'm like, oh, this lady's a psychopath. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then when I watched the Strange New Worlds episode where she, like, they both turn into uh, real people or I don't know what the explanation is or whatever. I guess the explanation is they were always real people. It's just they're in a different right no i don't know different don't universe it. no it's not a different no. it's supposed to be the it's same not universe. we're just supposed to pretend that they were always not animated i don't know but she's yeah just especially putting her in a star trek world uh with normal or whatever quote-unquote normal people and just her her very 2020 style where she's even you know <laughs> using 2023 <laughs> slang and stuff like that it just it oh and on the post it like my wife loves that and she's watched that clip those clips many many times because she thinks that's hilarious but uh but i did uh i did actually uh finish a star trek book for the first time in maybe 20 years oh that's right which sadly was very and i remember that's the problem with star trek books is that i would say of all the star trek books i've read it's at least 50 percent, maybe a little bit higher that they spend maybe 80% of the book on the setup. And then the last 20% is when they're like, oh, and then they're pew, 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 and then we win. And it was just like, <laughs> oh, it's just, so it's just a slog to get through that 80% of just them setting it up and setting it up and setting it up. And it's just, yeah, it just doesn't, it, it, I don't know. It feels like they almost fundamentally don't understand, uh, like they think that that's what a Star Trek episode is. It's just all set up, and I don't know. But that uh, uh, what was it? A attack on Centaurus or uh -huh. something like that. And uh, so yeah, I was a little uh, underwhelmed. Uh, I don't know if that encourages me to watch read another one, but uh, at the very least, um, yeah, I've uh, I read a book, well so I'm always pleased. I know that's that's kind of your thing, so. <laughs> what, what what was the plot like what is the yeah. attack on something well that was the challenge that was the thing too is it was a very i thought it was a very interesting and a surprisingly relevant plot being that this was written back in like the 80s it's it's an early federation colony but it's like a paradise sort of a thing and we find out that uh, bones uh his daughter lives there uh, Kirk actually bought a house, and this is where he's planning on retiring, and so it's this whole mm -hmm. thing, and then there's an attack at the very beginning, there's like this terrorist bomb that goes off, and it's like an antimatter bomb, so like 7 million people die, and that you know creates this whole like rush to go and try and aid the planet, and so... But then mysteriously and unrelated to anything else, the Enterprise has a severe computer malfunction. And so then they're hindered in getting there. But then they finally get there. Uh, and then they're 
providing aid as well as trying to find the culprits or at least the like organization because the culprits all died in the blast so they're trying to find the the rest of this terrorist organization uh but again that all happened or at least the 20 percent like the finding the terrorists happens in the last 20 percent of the book so the whole beginning is all about this random computer error that we find out has <laughs> nothing to do with the entire plot of the book and so yeah the, it felt again kind of a good premise that i think was executed rather poorly okay so i might still read it all right all right there you go i mean again when you're reading your 100 books a year or whatever like there's room for some stinkers in there i would assume there are there is room for the, some stinkers yep. and i read some stinkers last there you year go. there you go that'll work that'll work so hopefully not <laughs> speaking of stinkers my friends let's transition into what we we're talking about this episode and this season as a matter of fact if you listen to our preview episode you know that we landed on doing a character study so to speak this season so if you recall last season, what we did is we went through the different episodes of each Star Trek iteration, not every single episode, but we picked three of each episode, uh, each series for the most part, and kind of used those as stepping off points to kind of talk about the things that we wanted to talk about that that episode made us think about. Right. So this season... Rather than just picking three of our favorite episodes from each show, we thought we would instead start with a character and then pick an episode that features that character, but kind of do the same thing. Maybe start the conversation with that character and then move on from there to kind of talk about some of the issues that that particular episode made us think about. Now, what was the character? I forget. What, what uh, qualifications did you use for your listing? Okay, so I'm sure you had a very scientific way. I, I'm imagining spreadsheets, like spreadsheets linked to other spreadsheets. Oh, no, just a single spreadsheet. Uh, <laughs> with, like, power rankings and stuff like that. I had been thinking about the list for a couple weeks and and just kind of, like, considering criteria and thinking about, well you know, should I pick a certain number of characters from, you know, each of the shows? Yep. What I decided was I was going to write down my favorite characters as they came into my brain and then revise the list a couple times. Oh, okay. So that's what I did. I can get behind that. I think I, I got like 25 or so yeah. right off of the top of my head. And then I, I looked up like, well, let's flesh this out. Am I forgetting anybody or anything like that? Found five more characters, you know, to round it out to 30. And then went in and reordered them a couple of times. Spent a couple of days thinking about it and just kind of reordering it, but totally just according to my feelings the at the you time. Enjoy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So that's how I did it. So for me, what I did is my goal was most flushed out characters or deepest mm. characters in mm -hmm. Star Trek history, which is still a pretty tough list if you ask me. Yeah. So what I did is something similar is that I, from starting with that premise, I started working my way down. And as one's, ooh, 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 what about, ooh, what about so-and-so? And it is tough because, you know, different characters have been flushed out in different ways. Uh, and right. you also have somewhat of the challenge, which I didn't really do a whole lot, and maybe we talked about this on the uh, preview episode, is 
now you have some characters that have been in multiple iterations. So you have Spock, for right. example, that we've now seen. I think we're not really including the J.J. Abrams one. So we've seen two versions of Spock. We've seen two versions of Uhura. And then what I would go down the list and kind of do like a 1v1 sort of a thing where I would look at like, okay, like uh, which character, and it was that was some of the toughest part, like which character is the most fleshed out, uh, like Kira or Odo? And I'm like, oh, hmm. okay. And so then I would have to bump like which one up over the other ones. And then some of the challenges, especially when you get down to like, because sort of the bottom of my list, what is it? I had like, like Tripper to Paul. Which one was more flushed out, Trip or T'Pol? And ultimately, I landed on Trip. Uh, how about, like, the Doctor or Michael? Which, that was a tough one, because I don't really know a whole lot about uh, 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 Michael. Um, but then, like, um, what is it, Hoshi or uh, Leonard McCoy? I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's an interesting one. Because, <laughs> especially because they, they don't really, you know, feature those sort of characters, so... Um, yeah, anyway, but so with that all said, what was interesting to me is somewhat of the differences because, and that was what we ended up landing on is that I, now this is where my, uh, comp compiler side comes in is that I took your list and I put it in a spreadsheet and I assigned a number value to each one of the rankings. And then I took my list in that same spreadsheet and then I combined the two lists to give each character a total score. So the interesting thing was some of, of the ones that I ranked very highly, you did not rank very highly and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So like the, the biggest example I thought was Odo is that Odo yeah. was my number two. I, I, said I he knew was the you were going to put highest. that guy so high. And you put him, <laughs> I think you put him third. I think he might have last. Yours yeah, was dead I think last. he might have been last. Maybe the opposite was Archer. You put Archer number three. I put him yep. 20, where was he? He was 27th. I will always be an Archer fanboy. The one that surprised me was the Doctor. You didn't put the Doctor at all. Uh, and I thought no. he was a pretty fleshed out character. You didn't really put any Discovery characters on yours? No. You put Saru, which I didn't. I, and again, this is a challenge because I don't really know Discovery all that well. Whereas I put... Uh, Tilly, Stamets, Michael, and Saru on mine. So um... yeah, I, I I regret that a little bit. Mm -hmm. I was I, I had just watched all the next generation movies, yeah. so mine I think I feel like mine was next generation heavy. Yeah, and it had been a while since I've seen Discovery. Okay. But it, after I sent it to you, I was thinking, you know, I don't think Stamets is on there at all, no. and I love Stamets. Yeah. And yeah, Tilly. So, yep, I yeah, I kind of there. forgot about the poor Discovery. <laughs> well, thankfully, poor I Discovery remembered, friends. although I had forgotten any lower decks. So you put a couple of lower decks on there. <laughs> so just, and, and you don't need to, if you're listening, you don't need to write these down because this is just how our season will go, is that we thought we will go in opposite order. So we're going to start with our quote-unquote least developed or least favorite character, although, again, that's not exactly quite accurate these are still the top 26 because there's a lot of great characters that uh didn't make our list so we're starting this right. episode with so trip from enterprise is our first one up followed by hoshi from enterprise followed by the doctor then uhura then uh michael from discovery bashir troy janeway tendy from lower decks picard is number 17 dang 
Oi. Uh, Mariner from Lower Decks. Odo, Archer. McCoy, Riker, Quark, Kira. Dax, Jadzia Dax. Torre, uh, uh, Bolana Torres. Uh, Captain Sisko, Chief O'Brien, Jordy LaForge, Spock, Kirk, Worf, and we will finish with, of course, Commander Data. So are you feeling good about this this list? Do you feel like... You uh, know, I really am. Yeah? I, I think that's a great list. Okay. I mean, these are these are these are the best characters. Okay. Well, I'm I'm gonna be interested with some of the ones that uh, again didn't make my list, uh, especially because the way we're doing it is we're talking about the characters, but we're really talking about the episode that features the characters and the things that those episodes make us think about. And last right. season, I think we found that's a somewhat of a challenge with Lower Decks because Lower Decks is yes, not really it is. designed that way. Even Discovery was a little bit of a challenge. Uh, I will point out that we don't actually have anyone from Picard other than, I guess, Picard. So I guess we could technically pick an episode of Picard to feature Captain Picard, but I find that unlikely. And yeah. um, same thing with uh, Strange New Worlds. We don't really have anyone from Strange New Worlds other than Uhura and Spock. So if, in theory, one of those two... I, Uhura, that would be my guess, and that's the reason I did not put Uhura on my list, is because I feel like Uhura was not a fleshed-out character in the original series. So my guess right. is we'll have to use uh, uh, a Strange New Worlds episode to feature Uhura. And when I put her on my list, that, that was my plan, yes. is that we would use you know young Uhura from Strange New Worlds. Right. And that makes sense. And that makes sense. All right. But that is to come, my friends, because right now we are going to finally get to dive in to our friend Trip, though we may not fully know his full name, but it does sound like Commander Tucker. Charles Tucker. Charles? Charles Tucker the third. Really? And no one calls him Chuck yep. or Chip? Chip, Chip Tucker. Chip Tucker. Chip Tucker. Uh, there you go. But um, I wonder how he got his nickname. Maybe yeah. that's something with. Tucker is up to trip. trip, trip I, don't know. Trip, I don't know. I don't know. It does roll <laughs> off the tongue, and everybody calls him Trip. So uh, it does. And for the episode that we picked, we picked the I think it's the fourth episode of the series, which is the unexpected. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's the one. If you are unfamiliar with this episode, it's the one again right at the beginning of the series where Trip goes on an away mission to uh, aid... He gets knocked up. Exactly, to aid a another uh, spaceship. Uh, they end up interacting with the female... I guess she's the engineer, uh, and I guess she's a, mm-hmm. she's a she. And they end up exchanging... What's the phrase? Genetic material of some sort. <laughs> uh, and uh-huh. Trip ends up... Is, is pregnant the correct word? I guess that's what Phlox says. Flox is having all too much fun oh, he with this does, whole situation. And again, this is brand we, We've never met Flox before. This is a brand new introduction. I mean, we've met him before, but, you know, he's, uh, this is all, like, these are fairly new characters. So, but anyway, so then, yeah, they end up finding out that he has been impregnated or whatever is carrying a baby. So then they end up transferring him out or transferring the baby out eventually. But first, hijinks ensue, one would say. So... Right. So, like, let's, I mean, I guess starting with this episode, but, uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot to go on before this. What what made you pick Trip as a character, uh, a, a character of interest? I think Trip is a really interesting character because in the franchise, what we see a lot is 
a lot of callbacks to the original series. We have this this like prototype of what Star Trek is with Captain Kirk and you know his two BFFs with yep. Spock and Bones, you know. And every time that there's a new installment of the franchise, there's I think up until maybe Discovery has been a riff on that. Okay. We're changing it up somehow, but we are we are still um coming back to that original formula. And I think that with Enterprise, what they were setting up here, they wanted somebody who was going to be a little bit quirky. It wasn't going to be Archer because Archer is the, you know, the go his own way guy against the Federation, you know, against, well, not the Federation because the Federation isn't there yet, but against the, the common knowledge that, that the earth government has and then out of that builds the federation so he has to be like a maverick but also responsible and i think kirk was a little bit like that but you had this attitude about kirk this uh, like um ease of character that i don't think archer has but trip exhibits that really well and you know the the setup of taking trip and we're getting into the episode a little bit here but the setup of taking trip and putting him into a similar situation that kirk will often find himself in but then upending your expectations about that i think is a really interesting choice trip himself continues throughout the series to grow a lot in how he in taking more responsibility not only on the ship but also in his personal life and his relationship with to Paul later yeah. on. He's a character with a lot of growth. And I think that his relationships on the ship, both with Archer and with Paul and um, with some of the younger members, I think you get these glimpses of him with the, um, the ensigns and the cadets and, you know, the, the, the junior, the junior officers more. Yeah. It shows him to becoming more and more of a leader in that and i think i think that's fantastic i think trip i don't know if i would say he was my favorite character because i love archer but (laughs) trip was probably my second favorite character on the show yeah and i think that he was written so well Mm. from beginning to end yeah i think i mean i i think you're right i i I think trip was supposed to be the most likable character he's supposed to be everybody's favorite i think uh, because because he is he's likable he's charming uh, I think he's like traditionally good looking he kind of looks like a young William Shatner he's got the same sort of hair and the uh, that that sort of he's got some of the southern charm I guess and it is interesting that he yeah, does have that haircut that's true. I didn't realize that but yep. yeah it's almost the same haircut yep well because I think you're right like I don't know that I would say that Archer like the loose cannon or, or whatever thing that you were describing I think it's more just the charm. I don't think Archer uh, Archer plays it very stiff and uh, a very yes. like removed from the crew and he's not he's not Kirk's like buddy buddy sort of a thing whereas Trip is. Trip is the uh, everybody's buddy and everybody in the, the the I think even to the audience. The audience really loves him because he does have uh, you know just very he's very human 
And even in this episode, we kind of see where he's, you know, the, he's, he's trying to fix the warp core on the fly. And he's just like, oh, I, I don't want to, uh, don't worry, Captain. I, I don't have to take it out of warp. I can fix it. And then it, like, catches fire. And he gives kind of that, like, <laughs> okay. And it's just, like, that sheepish grin and stuff like that. That Not that Kirk would ever, you know, that level of, of uh, humility or whatever was not really the Kirk mo but that level of humanness of connection that people are just kind of like oh we love this guy uh and it is interesting that this is this is kind of the first formative episode they even talked about it in uh, uh the quotes and stuff like that that uh this is this is the first trip centric episode i mean it's only the fourth episode period but uh right. where you know this is really establishing his character uh, and i think in this episode <laughs> in particular we do get some of um, some of the things that Archer doesn't really feature, which is the uh, enthusiasm. Whereas I think like Archer is, mm, is excited the right word? Uh, I, I mean, Archer does have the explorer part of it and that's how his character is written and, and all of that. But I don't know that he's ever like, excited to be like ooh 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 i want to go on this away mission ooh 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 i want to go and see this like and that's who trip is we see that in the first episode do you ever get the sense that archer's doing this whole mission out of spite yes absolutely because... i mean he has a chip on his shoulder that is definitely a part of archer's personality that he wants right. to prove something and i mean and that's with archer's character like we have and we'll talk about that when we get to him uh we've got multiple layers of that where one, he's got the chip on his shoulder that, like, you took this away from my dad, and so I have to prove something for my dad. We've got the thing that he personally resents the raw, uh, Vulcans for holding them back. So you've got all that, which chip, uh, trip, chip, Trip's chip is a little bit different, where he does have somewhat of that, but his mm-hmm. st- hasn't dampered his enthusiasm. And that's where we see this one. And that's the the joke is that his enthusiasm has gotten a, like ahead of him. So he like is so enthusiastic to go that one he gets set up in this situation where he's just like, oh, this place is so like I wasn't ready for a different atmosphere, and I gotta breathe gas <laughs> and like all of that. And then he gets himself pregnant. I think his enthusiasm wanes during his three hours of decompression and recompression time. Um, yes. And then he is, when he comes back, he's a little bit more chipper and he's just kind of like, whatever. Uh, but even like when he gets to go see their, their um, hollow suite, hollow deck sort of thing, he's not as, he's impressed, but he's not as like, there's not so much of the like boyish wonder it's more just kind of like, wow, this is really cool. As opposed to like, wow, I don't know. Just the level seems a little more subdued, I think. Um, and part of it is like, hey, he's, he's, got, he's there to do a job, you know, and he does and, and all of that. So I think that's an interesting just, and, and that's kind of something that, that I want us to chew on in a sec is just like what, what that experience of actual space exploration would be for you and I, for the common person that would actually be set in this situation, as opposed to some of these professionals that are like, oh, well, uh, alien cultures, of course. Like, I've been studying alien cultures, and this is, a, uh, uh, this is all about the work, and this is job, as opposed to some of the wonder aspect. Like, that, that was one thing that this episode, before the whole, the whole, like, impregnation and all of that sort of thing, was just that, that sense of alienness, I guess. 
Uh, and, I, and I think that's something that Enterprise did um, uh, moderately well. I don't think the other, like, Roddenberry's thing, I think, was always on, he didn't want the aliens to seem too alien. And that's why they were always very familiar and very humanoid and, and budget reasons, of course, as well. But that was the interesting thing with this was one of the first experiences with an alien culture where, I mean, like, starts off right at the beginning where, you know, the, the, the first hail they get from them, they only get um, audio. And it's in, like, they can't, mm -hmm. like, Hoshi has to translate it because it just, it just, it's very alien. And yeah. then Trip actually has to decompress, which is a very, like, sciencey thing that i don't think they've ever done before in star trek i don't even know they had a decompression yeah. chamber yeah which i think is really cool that it which is part of the reason why i love enterprise so much is mm -hmm. because it shows all that you know that before everything was just science magic yeah you you saw that kind of the nitty-gritty of the ship which is why, you know, it feels so much like a submarine. I, I right. think I've said that before. Yep. But their ships feel so much like a submarine. Right. Which makes sense. Yep. My thought is, and, and who knows, like, what an actual going on an alien ship would actually be like. But I have a hunch it might be a little bit more similar to this experience than some of the experiences that we see in Next Generation where Riker goes. And, I mean, even the one episode where Riker gets to guest lead or whatever on a klingon ship and it's all dark in there and it stinks and it's just like and like so there's okay it's very different than what you're used to uh and and th this is accentuated here where not only is it very different they have food on their walls and they have some sort of fish squid or uh, <laughs> eel creatures living in the wall which they're just like well, there it is. And then they walk on by. There's no explanation or anything. They don't come back to that or anything like that. Uh, and they have food just growing on the walls. They're like, oh, yeah, just eat something off the wall. Like, okay. There's grass on the ground. For some reason, they don't really explain. Oh, I think they said that it. No, they do They do explain that. They said that it, it, it helps them metabolize their food. Right. But why does it need to grow on the ground? I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you can grow grass on the ground, I would much prefer to work, you know, like have grass under my feet than like stone like metal but i you know i don't know if that's the reason as opposed to having it on the ceiling or something like that but either way <laughs> hey um but i i don't know i guess that's my thought and i don't know if if that's one of the things that you enjoy about star trek greg is the whole like i would like to do this like if this was me this would be like a dream mm. like, not to say a dream come true but uh, I know, like, my son always talks about he wants to be an astronaut, but this is not what he's picturing. Granted, he hasn't actually watched no. much of Star Trek yet. He's picturing Neil Armstrong and spacesuits and stuff like that. And for me, that stuff, going up into the International Space Station and experimenting with, you know, growing eggs or whatever the heck they do up there, that doesn't really interest me as much as this stuff. Is the actual encounter, like... Trip's whole dream of like, oh, that would be so amazing to actually go on board an alien ship and interact with aliens and stuff like that. Is that something that appeals to you? Definitely. I would love to do that. That is one of the things that draws me in to Star Trek. Yeah. And I think more than – and they they um, they focus on that a lot more than they do like in uh, Star Wars, for instance, course, or really yes. most other science fiction – 
that I mean, so much science fiction these days has been so influenced by Star uh, Star Wars. Yes. Um, but in Star Trek, they really talk about like the differences in, in culture and in uh, ways of being among the different alien species. Right. And I think that is amazing. Early on, after I got out of high school and I I went to you know, I started my college career mm -hmm. that ended up taking a decade. The first program I enrolled in was an anthropology class because mm -hmm. I I have always found the differences and the similarities between cultures to be just endlessly fascinating. And that's what that's what I would love so much. Mm. If I could be part of the Federation, I would be I, I would love that. And, you know, that I, I love the idea of like every once in a while in the franchise, you see these the diplomats that get to basically go right. and like spend their time among different, you know, you see these humans hang out with the uh, with the Klingons, you know, they go and live on Kronos, you know, and and spend all their time there and really get into the culture and everything. I would love that. I mean, maybe not with the Klingons, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> trill, or, or going to Bajor, being a Bajoran. Oh, the, uh, the trill. Yeah. How incredible the are the trill? <laughs> what an incredible way of being. Yeah. You know, and what could we learn from them as humans? And what right. can we as humans impart to them? Yeah. Which yeah. is so fascinating. I love that part of Star Trek. I love that. Yeah. Well, and so, cause I mean like, uh, that's not that, is that that different than being an ambassador today or be not even necessarily, I mean, I guess an ambassador is you're actually representing your government's interests as opposed right. to maybe a missionary. I mean, I guess a missionary is the same thing too. You, you do have a goal, like your goal yeah. is to spread your, you know, faith tradition to this other culture. Um, but an which, anthropologist that's true. would just, just go study. I just want to learn. Adding in space yeah. to anything it makes it so much cooler. Right. Because and that's true. I mean, going to space. I, I, I've told my wife and my children if there's ever an opportunity for me to go into space before I die, <laughs> I am going to do everything I can to take advantage of that opportunity. I was like your son. I was really into astronauts right. when I was his age. Well, maybe a little bit older. Maybe around like ten. 10 yeah. to 12 i was really into the space program i knew all the apollo missions i you know knew all the astronauts i i don't know if i could still recite all of them to this day but like <laughs> they were a lot more. i was not into sports yeah well kind of i was <laughs> i was not into sports i was into space the space program the u.s space program was my jam yeah during that time well, that's the challenge too. That again, like, like that's where I, I feel like there's the difference is that right now, it's it's about the the mysteries of space itself, and about like this is this is a this is a realm where humans cannot survive. So the challenge is how do we how do we you know build the space stations and how do we build the space suits and the space ships and the stuff like that so that we can traverse this inhospitable place as opposed to star trek is we've already figured that part out 
So now it's how do we do it faster and how do we interact with other things that we find there. And it is interesting, I don't mm -hmm. know, thinking about like this episode as opposed to uh, what's the one, the Who Watches the Watchers, or even I guess you just watched uh, Insurrection. And the Insurrection, the part of it is they have the like uh, observation deck or whatever, the place where you're supposed to be able to observe without interfering with that culture so that you can right. uh, study them. And whereas here, it's not about studying them per se. I mean, maybe that comes down the line, but this is about interacting with their culture on a peer level, I suppose. Uh, and and the, there is somewhat of the interesting thing that, and I, I think that's the second part that we can get into is we're going to talk about kind of inter, not only intercultural and interspecies uh, interactions, but also inter. I don't know, gender interactions is somewhat of the questions that this episode kind of like brings up. And I, I think somewhat of the challenge is the um, allude to it, I guess, at the beginning, which even like Judy kind of mentioned as we were watching the episode last night, is that when they're eating breakfast, apparently they have a breakfast buffet at some point in uh, the Enterprise. And they're all eating breakfast and flocks being flocks is eating as weird a stuff as he can find. And the, or maybe it's not weird. Maybe he's, <laughs> he's just always interested in new experiences. So he tries yes. blueberry pancakes. It looks like some giant muffin and I don't know, a very kind of like Western human experience is what he's going for. Whereas good old to Paul is like, no, thank you. Plomeek soup. I'll go for the blandest thing I can possibly find that I am very familiar <laughs> and very comfortable with. But the interesting thing is that to Paul in some ways reflects um, Trip's experience later, whereas Trip has a very and, you know, later on we see similar experiences and Trip has wrestled with this all along. Remember the very first episode where he sees the what is it the 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 mom trying to wean her son off of oxygen and it looks like she's from his cultural perspective it looks like he is she's abusing this child and to paul is saying no this is how their culture functions and you need mm -hmm. to learn about their culture before judging it and ironically here's to paul not doing that i have no interest in learning about blueberry pancakes i am very happy with my culture thank you and it is interesting that it's like, that's the challenge, as opposed to Trip coming in and saying, from my perspective, this is how this alien ship functions, to instead say, that, like, like, what's it like to walk a mile in their shoes? And I think he is. He's an explorer at that point, where he's just kind of like, he's fascinated about these cubes that are somehow the closest thing they can have to water. And these plants that grow on the ceiling, which I'm not going to eat, thank you. Like, that's a little weird for me. Or something like that. But he is fascinated by their differences. Uh, and that's, that's, I don't know, that's a really interesting perspective, I think, from a culture to, that's maybe, that, that's potentially step one, I could see. Like, I'm fascinated by your culture. Let me learn about it. As opposed to, I don't know, I don't know, I... I I find it so hard to not jump into value judgment to be like, let me see if this is better than my culture or something like that, as opposed to this is different and that's okay. And it's not which one, cause I mean, and somewhat of it, I, I don't know, gets into the whole supremacy thing 
of if this is better, then my culture will take it and I will do this too. Like, hey, you have a better way of, you know, whatever. Like finding that chopsticks are actually a superior form of eating to the fork. Well, we're going to start using chopsticks then as opposed to, you know what? I think the fork is a superior thing, so we're going to use this one. And I don't know, letting each culture be its culture without saying, let's just take the best parts or what we evaluate to be the best part. Yeah. I don't know. That's a yeah. challenge. And we, we've talked about this before. Um, I'm trying to remember what, what episode it was about. But it, it we, we do have a tendency to do that. Yes. I think, I mean, with food especially, I think it's sometimes we, we really take food from other cultures yes. and be like, this is good. We're going to mix it up a little bit to make yeah. it a little more palatable. But this is your culture now. Right. Thank you very much, China. We love orange chicken. Yes. You know? Yes. Well, and that, <laughs> the chicken part, I feel like the orange part is, is a very uh, uh, American, maybe even Californian creation. It doesn't feel very... Uh... Yeah, that's my point. It's like, right, we, we just take something and like change it right. and make it, this is your culture now. Right, exactly. Thank you for your thousands of years of being. Right. Which somewhat of that I think is okay in, a, in, in the idea that like that is our culture now. And it's not that it's... Uh-huh. The appropriation is the challenge. Because I mean, like, what was it? I was, we were just talking about macaroni and cheese. And that the eventual the the um, invention of macaroni and cheese was when it was I think Thomas Jefferson's slave that went to um, uh, Europe and then brought back some of these culinary creations that he would then make for. Uh, Thomas Jefferson and then our culture ended up kind of like adopting it and you can totally see it like for me macaroni and cheese feels so American where it's like we clearly saw oh you guys have noodles that's fascinating what if we smother it with cheese okay now this feels (laughs) much more familiar and I think to somewhat that's okay macaroni and cheese is kind of classically American but for us to say like oh this is Italian food well that's the part that feels more appropriation um, I don't know, or even to say macaroni and cheese is a superior form of pasta. Well, then that's also kind of going into value judgments, I suppose. I think that's that's interesting what you see with Tripp's journey mm-hmm. because he finds somebody in the culture that he connects to. Yeah, he is able to take part in that culture in a more uh, culturally appropriate way, and I think mm. that's that's really something that that. When when you're traveling, when you're meeting people from a different culture, that's something that is so powerful is to find somebody that you connect with right. in that culture and be able to engage in that culture in a in an appropriate and non-appropriative mm. way. Right. You know, that and that's I think you see that with Chirp. And I think that is such a cool thing, yeah. you know, that that's where Star Trek goes, right? Yeah. It, it, it goes towards that that idea that we can celebrate diversity mm. and it doesn't make us weaker. You know, that, that I mean, that's what, um, yeah. that's what the mirror universe is all about, is like right. Earth oppressing everybody else. Yeah. And then the, the real universe is like the embrace of other, right. you know, right. which is so cool. Yeah. 
Well, and, but it does, re- and I mean, that's where I feel like some of the flaws of this episode is that there, there, there was a, some some rather simplistic, I thought, touches on certain things. Like one of the things which mm. tying into the, the, the second part we got to talk about, which is kind of the gender thing, uh, but it's also like mating rituals. Like that's the part of this episode is that, that the, and I guess they kind of get around it by doing the whole like, um, the whole like rocks thing, which is where the problem kind of comes from with the genetic material being transferred and all. But that's how, because they can read each other's brains or thoughts at the very least, is that there's the, you find me attractive, and you actually like when people find you attractive. Which, that might kind of uh, fly under the radar, because from our human side, we can kind of be like, dude, like the whole sequence of, what is it, her feeding him these cubes and the little like sparks go from his fingers and he's clearly like into it and he's just like yeah he's like oh no i need some more fluids and i'm like this is a little on the creepy side bro like you're i don't know i don't know if she was intending to be i mean we find out later she was intending to be flirty but it's just it's the crazy idea of alien species mating rituals like who says that they're at all similar like we find out uh in next generation is that the klingon mating rituals are they beat the crap out of each other and then they just like jump on each other and like that's their mating ritual that's how you know that they find you attractive is they start attacking you and how alien Mm -hmm. would that be to our species to say nothing like who says that it's anything like our mating rituals in this other species. And they even talked about at some point, like you have no, I don't remember what the dermal plating. So how do you know what each other's emotions are (laughs) or something like that? Which Uh is totally like, so she could be, who knows, like radiating, like uh, interest in mating or something like that. And you would have no way of picking that up because you don't have the dermal plating or the recognition of those dermal plates. And they talk about later with flocks and that flocks, you know, like mates with lots of people apparently, or has multiple spouses. I don't know yeah. if marriage and mating are linked up or, or something like that, which there's a lot of those like challenges, I think in interspecies yeah. interactions not just the mating, not just the like the mating, the rituals around the mating, but the mating itself is is, is somewhat like a magical in Star Trek that you know two species that evolved on two wildly different worlds yes. can produce a viable offspring yes. is just like impossible. Um, I read a, a book years ago, and it wasn't even the point of the book, but. <laughs> There's different aliens around, and um, two of the characters, like, from two different species, they fall in love, but they are completely, I mean, their sexual organs don't line up. Mm. Like, you know, they, you just can't do that. You know, right. it's, it's impossible, and, and it makes sense, because... They're two different, completely different species from di- completely different planets. It's one of those things that you just have to 
um, except in a lot of science fiction is that they just people are magically able to mate. I think. <laughs> well, and they talk about like, and I mean, that was somewhat of the challenge of this episode is that they said this was an accident is that they had no idea this was actually going to happen. Right. I think that's interesting about this episode is that they did find a way around that idea. Right. That it, right. It, she was, she accidentally implanted her genetic material yeah. into him yeah. and it was unintentional and it didn't actually have to have anything to do with sexual organs. Right. And not only that, but also apparently he didn't exchange any uh, genetic material at all. So it was basically just her child was inside of him. And that he, like, and that's the interesting thing where the, the, that they also kind of get away from is the fact that, like, so he has zero contact with this child from then on. Uh, and part of it is because it isn't his child. He, he literally has, other than he physically was carrying it inside of him, which I guess then you could talk about, like, Kira in Deep Space Nine, where she carried Kiryoshi even though there was no actual genetic material from Kira in him. But he, like, mm -hmm. there's a certain level of connection just because they, you know, it was inside of her for a time. Uh, and same thing with Trip. then. There could be just a emotional connection to this child. Uh, but the idea that, like, it's two uh, incompatible species that therefore, you know, like, in, in our world, our understanding is when you mate, what is it, a horse and a donkey, then you get a mule, which you is get a mule. sterile. Sterile. Uh, yeah. But that's our understanding of how that works. Like, could there be other solutions? And again, in this particular situation, there's there's no mixing of genetic material. Um, they do talk about in uh, Deep Space Nine, when Worf and Dax are attempting to conceive, um, Bashir has to get involved. And he's just like, well, if you guys wanted to have a baby, right. like, could I figure out some scientific way or medical way of making this happen? Uh, and that's mm -hmm. the tragic part is that right before she dies, he finds a way and then she dies. So, yeah. Oh, Deep Space Nine. Lovely. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, but actually, and the, so the last one that we should talk about because, uh, uh, somewhat similar of the cultural lines and stuff like that is the gender lines that this episode attempts to blur or t discuss and I was thinking about it, and, I mean, and that's kind of one of the reasons that we pick an episode like this. For me, whenever, I guess I appreciate the fact that Star Trek was willing to chew on gender issues and gender stereotypes and stuff like that. I don't feel like they ever did it terribly well. Especially, this episode really makes me think of whatever the one is called where Quark gets the sex change so that he can become Luma and win a, um, a negotiation or something like that. And it's the same thing about Quark the misogynist finding out what it's like to be a woman. And just the way that the storytelling is told, it just feels very stereotypical and very kind of like thin, very one-dimensional in a lot of ways. And the same thing with this. I felt like this felt a lot like, uh, what's the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Junior, where he becomes pregnant and goes through all of the very stereotypical mood swings and the, you know, he's always hungry all the time. And it's just a lot of that, like, I don't know. It just, it felt, I, again, I guess they get kudos for trying, but it didn't feel terribly, I don't know, insightful or deep to me. 
Mm-hmm. How do you feel? I agree with that. And it, it did feel like 90s, <laughs> a, a 90s take on it. You know, it, it felt like they may not have had a lot of women in the writer's room. Mm. Possibly. Yeah, I don't actually know what the writing staff was like on this episode yeah. or in the first season of Enterprise. But it's... um. I did feel like that. And it's a little cringy. Yeah. Getting back to what I said previously, I do like that they upended the expectations of this situation. Yeah. To change your your idea of what this was going to end up as. And I I think that was actually a really good idea, especially for was this the fourth episode? Yeah. Of this show? Yeah. and it tells you, like, this is going to be a little different. Yeah. You know, this is going to be different from what we've done before. This We are going to um, challenge things a little bit. Yeah. Uh, your expectations of what the episodic Star Trek is going to look like. Mm. You know, because obviously by this time we, we have seen some really deep stuff yeah. on Deep Space Nine. Right. You know, and some and really... Whether it's deep or not, Voyager had been well-established. Voyager was well-established, and that was advancing the episodic Star Trek franchises more. Um, I think the first season of Enterprise, because it was back in our galaxy and everything, it it gave them the opportunity to give uh, give all those those tropes another shot. Mm. And I I think that they did extremely well. I mean... Enterprise's first season is very, very good hmm. Star Trek. Yeah. It feels very, it fares very original series like, because that was my felt from the sixth and seventh season of Next Generation, is they felt like they were going deeper and deeper sci fi e and going, you know, uh, the, the getting, getting further, further out there. I mean, obviously, the, what was the episode where they devolve into like creatures and stuff like that felt very thick sci-fi and this feels much like yeah they've taken a step back from just going you know uh uh, heavier and heavier into into that and i think there is a part too is like i think they wanted to do a maybe not silly but to do this they had fun with it like this was what we would call a fun episode and like even what is it i think they said that um What's his name? The actor trip uh, is the one that came up with the whole like, what if there was a short alien or a child on this lift? Like, have you ever thought about that? And, like, I think he came up with some of that stuff. And that was that was fun. And like that was like, yeah, his uh, just not only his delivery of all of that, I think did definitely endear trip to us. Um, but yeah, then the uh, ensign or whatever's uh, facial responses to short alien like was was pretty, was pretty good <laughs> that it, it it got cringy but i mean trip he he pulled it off he pulled it off pretty well you know especially for the early 90s or i guess not early no this is early 2000s the ni- yeah early 2000s um context that this was in yeah, I mean, I should point out that uh, what is it? The unofficial uh, <clears throat> one of one of the uh, ratings, Star Trek rating systems, does put this as the worst episode of season one. Um, but, uh, okay, 
I do think, well, because again, uh, like you said, I think season one is is pretty good, uh, all told. For for yeah. a season one of a Star Trek show, it's probably the best season one of the season ones. Um, but yeah, again, the cringiness and somewhat of the, the like, oh, those pregnant girls, they're always, you know, and apparently they did cut out a scene where he does have to run to the bathroom to throw up. Um, but they did kind of a lot of those other tropes about... Again, the mood swings and the irrationality and the uh, always hungry and the cravings and the, all that sort of stuff like that, which is, is very kind of one-dimensional perception of what it would be to be pregnant. Which, <clears throat> had we more time this episode, my friends, I think uh, we could talk about imagining what it would be like for you and I to be pregnant, my friend. But uh, I don't, uh, I don't know that we have that time, or maybe that inclination. Having experienced both our our wives having been pregnant uh, two times, yeah. We're well. I will ask the one question: Would you say that you were? My guess is you would <clears throat> be a supportive husband when your wife is pregnant. Uh, although I don't know that you would call yourself that. Would your wife call yourself call you that? I think she would. Yeah. I, I yeah I I like to think that I take care of my wife yeah. Did you pretty read well. Read a book <laughs> at some point or do some sort of research about how to be a supportive spouse. Seems like something. Oh, you would have done. several. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. Several. Yep. Whereas for me, like yeah, my wife recommended maybe not necessarily about how to be a supportive like spouse during the pregnancy thing, but definitely like oh, there's this great book I read about like listening to like babies or sleep training or stuff like that. And I'm like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know I didn't read any of those. Uh, I've watched episodes <laughs> of television like this. So I'm like, Oh, I totally know like what you're going through. Like I've seen, uh, I've seen enterprise. Mm-hmm. I know how this experience is. So, um, I hope I was su- supportive at the very least. I feel like I owned my unsupportiveness. So that may have helped to be, you know, and I try, I do try and ask, you know, I did try and ask like, what can I, what can I do and to try and be understanding and to, to I think I, I would say the best thing that I did as a spouse was to um, not demand much of my pregnant wife to not be like, hey, I would really, you know, like, can you clean up this place a little bit? Because in the movies, that's always the worst thing where there's the poor pregnant oh wife my God. and the husband comes home. He's like, where's my dinner? And it's like, seriously, bro. So I don't I, I, I didn't do that. So I can say that about so myself. You, yeah, you're you're over the 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 like baseline yes, of I didn't human human decency. <laughs> well, but again, that seems to happen all the time in the movies. So I'm guessing it happens in real life somewhere, or at least that's the the fear is that it would happen somewhere. So. <laughs> but it didn't happen in our house. I hope. I hope. I hope. We'll ask our wives uh, what the truth of that is. So. <laughs> all right my friends well uh that was a uh, trip for this the first episode. episode of season three the first episode of season three. Oh, that's what i was gonna tell Ooh, you in the bag yeah which you haven't heard and you probably never will because i know you don't listen to our episodes i've been going back during our break and listening to all of our previous episodes so that's i will right. tell you my friend if you do want to listen our listeners already heard the debut of our new theme song because season three does seem to be where you spice things up a little bit. So I did add yeah. a backbeat. So it, we have a much more dramatic opening theme song. It's been a long No, not road. that one. No, 
But, but remember, season three was when they added, it's been a ticka 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 Yeah, and then it made it cheesier. I don't know. It made it something, so. Anyway, I don't think we have a new... the worst possible way. Yeah. I don't know that we have a new outro. I think we, at least for this episode, we'll have the same outro. So maybe we'll have a hip new outro next episode. Uh, which, as we <laughs> mentioned earlier, my friends, speaking of hip and new, or, or maybe, I don't know. Uh, next episode, we're going to stick with Enterprise so we can talk about Hoshi. I'm assuming, oh, I don't Hoshi. know. Will we do, I don't think we'll do... I don't think we'll do the one with the creepy rapist guy, uh, but we'll do hopefully another. I've got a picture of, of a good Hoshi episode. We'll see. We'll see which one we do. Um, if we're sticking with okay. early Hoshi or if we're sticking with late Hoshi, we will determine that sometime between now and then, hither and yon, my friends. So, um, <laughs> yes. With that said, my friends, I think we can call it uh, an episode. So we will end this episode as always by saying, live long and prosper. Peace and long life.